You are listening to the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Centers, Pastors Scott and Tina Witwan. We've been talking about being a doer of the Word, and we're going to continue to talk about that again today, because I think it's vitally important that we understand that God has a system in place designed for the kingdom, for how the kingdom is to operate. And today, this is part eight, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about finance today. Go with me to James chapter 1, verse 22. This has been the foundation scripture that we have used for this lesson. In James 1, 22, it says, But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Father, we thank you that as followers of Jesus Christ, as those who follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, that you lead us into all truth and that we are not deceived. We break the power of deception over us and we cling to your word, the everlasting truth. And we thank you, Father, that as you've called us into the kingdom, that we are not just um, viewers of the gospel, but we are participants in the gospel. And we will be sure to give you the glory and honor for everything that is accomplished on your behalf. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, that's just a little bit of a uh, little short recap this morning. We talked about the fact that a doer of the word must do what the word says. For the kingdom is about God, not about you. Being a believer in Jesus Christ is not a spectator sport. You know, most people like church because they can just come in, sit for a half hour, hear, hear a message, and leave. They've, they've made it a spectator sport. It's almost like going to a basketball game or a baseball game. You come in, you watch the, the music, you may clap a little bit, depending on what church you're in. You get to hear a good talk. I love it when people come up to me, Pastor, that was a good talk. And then you've done your duty for the week. But see, being a believer in Jesus Christ isn't a spectator sport. We're supposed to be engaged with the world. We're supposed to be in the world, just not conformed to the world. We're supposed to be world changers. So a doer of the word needs to know the word. We need to also spend time communicating. When we learn that prayer is a conversation, a discussion, it's a debate, a pleading between you and God. It's a time when you get to, to know. You know, the reason why my wife and I have a deep relationship is because we have conversations, we have debates. She'll tell me her side, I'll tell her my side. And that's the way it should be with God. We tell God our side. God, we think it should be like this. And he says, well, here's my side. Yeah, but God, you don't understand my situation. He says, well, yeah, but this is still my side. We should be having those conversations with God. Make our case, plead our side, and then listen for God's reply. Stand, believe, receive. We need to demand by faith the things that we're believing for, the things God's called us to do. We need to be bold. You know, Peter was bold when he got out of the boat. 
Lord, bid me come. Come on. And out of the boat he went. He didn't stand around and ask people what, what he should do. Lord told him to get out of the boat. He got out of the boat. And it wasn't until he started looking at things going on around him that he had a problem. Started feeling the wind, looking at the waves. I mean, it's the same, same problem that... Uh, well, it just jumped out of, my, out of my mind. The lady that turned to salt. Abraham's cousin, nephew, Lot. Lot's wife. There you go. See, I got there the long way. Long way around the mountain. See, Lot and his wife were doing good until she looked back. And we need to give God thanks in advance. See, that's faith. Because, see, you can give faith, I mean, you can give thanks up front when you understand faith. Faith is the title deed. I love from the Amplified how it says that. It's the title deed. It's your legal claim. Faith is. I remember back January 11, 2015. I won't forget it. We did a state of the church here at Valor Christian Center. We showed the current state of the church and the fact that this building was, was headed to foreclosure. The bank told us there's no hope. The bank account said there was no money. The, the superintendent had told me that, that things were dire and the church was going to be out of money. And he was right on by January 11th. We made a proclamation by faith and called this building paid for. Our faith brought this building out of foreclosure. Our faith got the banks to offer us incredible financing. And our faith is in the process of convincing the bank that we don't owe anything on this building. See, we know we don't owe anything in this building. We just need to get the bank up to speed on it. Amen? Amen. So we need to be people of faith. Give God thanks up front. We gave him thanks. We didn't waver, we didn't doubt. We had a core group of people here that were willing to stand unwavering. And that's what it takes in life. To walk on water. That's what it takes in life to move mountains, is faith. So we want to be a doer of the word. That should, be, that should be the testimony of our life. People should look at you and say, well, there goes that mountain mover. There goes that water walker. They should be calling you when they have times of trouble. When they fall into... You should be the one that they're calling because you are the Jesus that this world is going to see. Let's talk about being a doer of the word. You know, it's the process of knitting our life with God in every area of our life. That's the process of being a doer of the word. It's becoming uh, a doer of the word or developing a faith way of life or a God-style way of living. You know, over the last few weeks, we've looked at many different aspects of how to incorporate doing in the Word of God into our life. We looked at some practical examples. How you can implement doing. Because, you know, you, ever, you used to always wonder, how do I get Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John into my checkbook? But see, when you start to understand the Word and you start doing the Word, 
The gospels come alive in your checkbook. The impossible seems to happen. Checks show up in the mail. People leave blessings on your doorstep. People call you on the phone and say, I've got this incredible opportunity for you. So we need to continue to pursue God. We need to continue to build our relationship with Him, to understand Him in all the areas of our life, whether it's our salvation, whether it's in our relationship in church, in prayer, in our health, our healing. We need to continue to learn from anointed people, from all the sources available. I said there has never been a better time to be a believer than this. Think about it. Not only can we go to a church service and hear the Word of God and hear the Word of faith, but we can also get books on the topics. We can do internet searches on topics. We can have personal Bible studies. And I know several of you do that. And we can also listen to videos and audios and all the rest of it. We live in a time like no other. I wanted to hear a lesson from, from, from Dad Hagen here a few days ago. I just got on the internet. I looked it up. It was like old home week. Get in a shot of faith. So today I want to talk about the fact that we all have talents. Now I'm not necessarily speaking about your ability to sing or to dance. We're not talking about putting on a talent show, but I want to talk about talents. I'm speaking about the, the Greek word, talenton. Can you bring my slide up, Amber, for me? The Greek word talenton is translated talent. The word is described in the Strong's as a balance, as a supporting weight. By implication, it means a certain weight or a specific weight. From that, a coin or a sum of money is attributed to a talent. Talaton. Talaton was a measure that was used by the Jews. According to Vines, a talaton is an originally a balance, then a talent in weight. It was therefore a sum of money in gold or silver equivalency to a talent. So this, this word talent that we think about, you know, our ability to do something, biblically is talking about a form of money. A Jewish talent contained 3,000 shekels according to the sanctuary weight. You can see this in Exodus 30, 13. That weight came to about 114 pounds. So a talent's weight was about 114 pounds, according to the Bible, according to Exodus, according to Jewish, Jewish establishment or Jewish law around it, or Jewish counting. In New Testament times, the talent was not a weight of silver any longer, but the Roman talent comprised 6,000 denarii or drachmas. So under Jewish New Testament time, when a talent is mentioned, it would accumulate to about 83.5 pounds. 
Now under Mark Anthony, this was about 58 BC, he created the denarii. And it was a silver coin. This silver coin weighed one seventy-second of a pound. See, I think we, I want you to get a grasp of where we're going and what we're going to be talking about. And the reason why this word talent is so important, because see, Jesus recognizes the talents that we have. And I know most people think, well, yeah, Jesus recognizes the gifts that I have. Jesus recognizes my ability. Jesus recognizes what I can do. But see, Jesus also recognizes your financial worth. He recognizes that. Go with me to Matthew 25. I'm going to read verses 14 through 19. These are Jesus' words. In Matthew 25, 14 here it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. See, this is an absolute direct parallel between Jesus, who was ready to travel to a far country, heaven, and his calling, equipping, empowering of us as the saints. This is a direct parallel. And he delivered his valuable possession or his goods, his physical, financial, and spiritual goods to us. His servants. So Jesus is telling a story about himself. In Matthew 6, verses 10 and 11, we know the, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Where Jesus prayed, Your kingdom come, speaking to the Father, says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now let me just, let's just have a pop quiz here really quick. Are there any poor communities in heaven? Are there any leper colonies in heaven? Are there any hospitals in heaven? No. So God's way is a way of prosperity. Spiritually, physically, and financially. God doesn't know any other way. When somebody says, well, you know, God just put cancer on me, they have no idea about God. They don't understand his character. He doesn't have any cancer to give anybody. There's no cancer in heaven for him to send to anybody. He doesn't have any heart disease. He doesn't have any clogged arteries. He has no sick days. He has no bad days. He only has God days. Verse 11. Give us this day our daily bread. Now, one of the names or attributes of the word Lord is bread provider. See, Jesus is saying... Provide us everything that we need according to heaven's standard. Now, heaven has a pretty big standard. I don't know how many of you were here. I think it was December 2014 or 2015 when I, when I taught a Christmas message about the greatest gift, talking about the financial gift that was brought to Jesus. The king's portion of gold, what would have been legitimate to bring to a king, came to about $780,000. That's a pretty good gift for a baby. That's just the gold. 
We're not talking about the value of the frankincense and the myrrh. And people try to tell me that Jesus was broke, and yet he had a tunic that was seamless, the, one of the best you could buy. It was so good they wouldn't even tear it. They gambled to get it. Do you know that his parents, under Jewish law, were not allowed to take any of Jesus' money? Historians believe because his cousin, John, was of a priestly lineage and would have had an upbringing in schooling in the priesthood, that Jesus also, with his, the money that they had for him, would have had the best educations available. Now, I know that messes with your religious theology and what the church has tried to teach you and has tried to teach for the last 1,500 years or better. But Jesus was not a poor man. In 2 Peter 1, 2 and 3, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. Now, do you know what, that grace is the unmerited favor of God? Do you know when God's favor is working for you? You can't help but have Psalms 115, 14 operating in your life. May the Lord increase you more and more. Because that's just the way God thinks. God operates under the law of multiplication. Multiply to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Now let me ask you something. Does anybody here ever need money? Well, money's a thing. And if I'm getting it according to His glory and virtue, there's a lot of it coming. How's it coming? It's coming just as His will is in heaven. It's coming to us here on earth. Because He has called us by His glory and virtue. He has delivered His valuable possessions or His goods to us. Physically, financially, and spiritually. And it's why it's so important to understand the truth of the Bible versus what religion teaches. Religion is made to... to bind you, to control you, to keep you. And you can go back in history, and I'm not going to do it today, but you can go back historically and look at where the church needed to control the people and started teaching about the, the benefits of poverty, the benefits of, of allowing the priests to, to, to decide everything, and, and, and the control came in. And the alliances then between the priesthood and the governments were formed in order to keep people in check. But Jesus came that we would have life and that we would have it more abundantly. He didn't come that we would have average lives. What we do with what God gives us is up to you. He provides everything we need, spiritually, physically, financially. What we do in those areas of life are up to us. He gave us a dietary book. It's the book of Leviticus. It tells you how to eat. But you know what? He says, it's up to you. You're under grace. You can eat whatever you want to eat. You can, can, can treat your body however you want to treat it. It's up to you. Okay, back to Matthew 25, verse 15. And to one he gave five talents. Now, this is very interesting, because I've always been taught, you know, that, that talents were like a coin. God gave somebody five coins, so, you know, 
you got to give this back because I took it out of Pat's coin bag from the garage sale because I didn't bring any coins with me this morning. So. so one, he gives five talents. To somebody, he gives two talents. And somebody gives one talent. You know, we look at it and go, okay, great. Frank's got a buck and a quarter. Eugene's got 50 cents. Doris has got a quarter. Right? He's delivered them the goods. Now, go do something with that, guys. Go do something with that. Okay, let's look at this financially. I mean, you know I'm a numbers guy, right? I'm a business guy. Five talents would weigh 570 pounds. That's a little bit of money. If that money was talents weighed out in silver in today's coinage, it would be $218,880. If that was weighed out in gold, it would be $12,612,273. Now the story doesn't tell whether it's gold or silver. But Jesus is saying, hey look, this guy is traveling and he is put in charge of these three people according to their ability, he didn't just give them a buck and a quarter. He may have given him a substantial amount of his wealth, $12 million worth of his money, and said, hey look, I'm gonna be gone for a while. I don't like the interest rates in the bank right now. Go out and do something with this. To another, he gave two. Two talents would be 228 pounds. Or in silver, $87,552 in silver. Or in gold, $5,044,909. You can do some of that, can't you, Eugene? Deb, you think you guys could buy some more farm equipment and farmland out there in the Midwest? Yeah. You could do something with that kind of money. To another one, he gave one. Oh, Doris, you just got one. One talent, 114 pounds of silver today, is worth $43,776. So the person that he said had the least amount of ability got almost $44,000 if it was silver, and if it was gold, she got $2.522 million. Do you think this story that Jesus is telling has got somebody's attention in this time? Remember, his first disciples were all what? They were all fishermen. They were all business people. They understood money. Then they get a tax collector, right? Matthew, I mean, he understands money. I mean, he's dealing with a bunch of business people. And then he's got a bank robber, you know, Judas. He understands money. He's got a whole group of business people, and he's telling them this story. To one person I gave 12 million, one person I gave 5 million, one person I give 2 million. Now, I've never heard the story taught that way. I've always heard, well, he gave five coins to Frank, he gave two coins to Eugene, and Doris, you get one coin. I've been in business a long time. I started my first business when I was 14 years old. My mom says I actually started before that when I would take the cupcakes and the ho-hos from home and sell them to kids at school and 
Um, but that wasn't an official business. Started my first business when I was 14, so I've been in, I've been in business for a while. And over the years, I had a business consulting company for a while, and I would say the number one thing that probably keeps people from being successful in business is their mindset. Because they would come in and go, I'd like to start this business, but I don't have enough money. I don't have enough talent. That's what they're basically saying. I don't have enough talent. I don't have enough money. But see, you don't need money to start a business. If you've got a good reputation, and you can work hard, the money will come. Now, if you don't work hard or don't have a good reputation, yeah, you're probably going to need some money. But you don't need it. And people come to me all the time and say, you know, man, I'd like to start this business if I just had the money. I started a car, car dealership with no money. I started an auto parts store with no money. I started a consulting company with no money. I started a real estate brokerage with no money. I started a flipping business with no money. I know how to, somebody says, why did you have no money? Because we're always putting it in the gospel. My wife and I have been in full-time ministry now. Was it 26 years or something? That's what money's for. It's to save souls. I did, I did decide a few years ago, though, that this time we're going to keep a little bit. I'm starting to get into my 50s, and I said, well, you know, there is a time when I'm going to wish that I had a little bit of a nest egg, right? The reality is, is these three people all had that nest egg. They had just been given the nest egg to start the business, to do something with this money. Each were given according to their own ability... And immediately, it says, he went on his journey. He left, didn't ask any questions, didn't ask for their cell phone numbers, anything. He just left. Ability. Ability literally means proven track record. You know, very few times do I find people who are living under a bridge, who are completely broke, and say, how can I invest in your business? No, I'm looking for people with a proven track record. You do the same thing with your retirement funds. You're looking for an investment that has a proven track record. You're looking for something that has the ability to provide you a return. And depending on the ability for that return depends on how much you invest in it. Does that make sense? Even the person with the least ability, God invests greatly into. Now, I wonder how many of you would be willing to just look around the congregation and pick out the person you think has the least ability. Now, don't do that because somebody's going to look at you and you're going to get offended. So don't do that. But how many of you would be willing to look around the congregation and find the person that you think has the least amount of ability and write them a check for $2.5 million? Oh, how about $45,000? It's a better deal, right? But that's what God did. And that's what God does. He invests greatly by distributing to each of us valuable talents according to our ability. Everyone has ability. You've heard me say it before. That it would literally destroy you. Or at least most of you. Maybe not all of you. But literally it would destroy most of you if God gave you a $7 million mansion right now. So well, why, Pastor? That would just be a blessing. The only way it'd be a blessing is if you put it on the market and sold it. 
because you don't have the money to maintain it. You've never lived at that level. You have no way to, you, you would have no way to handle that big of a problem. Why? Because your ability is not there yet. Our ability can get there, but it's not necessarily there yet. And God loves you too much to destroy you. So ability, it's having a proven track record. A proven track record in your giving. See, God is looking for, for rivers, not dead seas. God is looking for people that he can conduit his resources through. He wants to be able to conduit his money into places where it can be invested. People who will invest wisely. He wants to conduit his money into people who are willing to learn, to grow, stretch, and be skilled. So now go with me to verse 16. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. So he made another 218,000 or 12.5 million. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more. So he made another 87,000 or 5 million. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid the Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Romans 14, 12. For everyone shall give account. Do you have Romans 14, 12? So then each of us shall give account of himself to God. That's the story. Every one of us are going to give an account for how we dealt with our ability, with our talents, with our money. We're going to give an account for it. There's a reward to those who do the word. Now drop down with me to verse, Matthew verse 20. We're going to go from 20 through 30 this morning. So he who had received five talents came and brought the five talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents beside them. Now, the Lord probably thought, this is a good day. I got another 12 million bucks. I should go on vacation more often. I mean, that's what I would have thought. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things. I will make you a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. And the Lord said to him as well, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. See, the gain, the profit, the multiplication of wealth, God says is good. And how many of us, for years, were told that, no, that's the greedy gospel, that's greed. No, it's growth, it's growing in God. How many of us were told to be, we needed to be poor and humble? God said, profiting, increasing, gaining is faithful service. 
Because now you have something that you can use. God said that being faithful over what you have now, the few things, opens you up to be a leader or owners of many things, possessions, assets, and wealth. See, there's a direct correlation. And that's why we want to teach people to be receivers, not just givers. How many times have I had people, oh, no, you, I, I can't let you buy that. Why not? Well, it just wouldn't be right. Well, the devil doesn't think it's right. But God thinks it's right. Because if I give, the natural occurrence is I will receive. If I sow, then I will reap. But if I don't sow, I have nothing to reap. If I don't go plant my field, the corn never comes up. There's a direct correlation. And I like the idea that God can trust me with many things. God wants to trust us all with many things. That's his desire. And I've referred back to this book. I don't know how many of you have read yet Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life. And he talks about the gentleman who was a faithful tither until he got this high-paying job and then said, well, I can't tithe off this. That's way too much money. What happened? Greed came in. He became a dead sea instead of a flowing river. You know, 10% doesn't change when it comes to the tithe. 10% of 10 cents is a penny, right? Works the same. Whether it's a million dollars. You have a million dollars, the tithe on it's $100,000. Pretty easy. It's simple math. God made it really easy. He was working on the metric system way back then. Verse 24. Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you hadn't sown and gathering where you had not scattered, scattered seed. And I was afraid. See, fear will always destroy destiny and cause you to take the wrong action. The problem is most of the world operates in fear. That's why, that's why typically the world buys high and sells low, because they operate in fear. They're afraid to buy low because it might go lower. Right? But then all their friends start buying and it's going up and they wait till, well, look, man, it's way up here. Now I'm going to, fear's gone. I buy, and then it drops. Fear will always cause you to make the wrong decision. And generally, the multitude operates in fear. That's why democracy, pure democracy, doesn't work because the majority is generally wrong. Because of group mentality, herd mentality. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, aren't you excited? You have what was yours. Don't you think that the Lord would have been so excited to have gotten his back? But the Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I not sow, and I gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. 
which for the record would have been somewhere between $900 if it had been silver and $50,500 had it had been gold. His master would have been better off. I mean, how many could use an extra 50 grand? So well, the master says, take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents. Those who have no talent always make those with talent richer. I mean, that is true. Because if you don't have any talent on investing, many times you get caught up in emotion. And the people who have talent in investing are waiting for people like you to invest so that they can become richer. I mean, I, I see it on the real estate side of things. We get people that watch television shows on a certain television network. I won't mention which it is. And they realize how easy it is to buy a house cheap, remodel it, and then sell it. Very easy to do. I mean, take it from people who are in the industry. I get, I get investors who come, hey, I'll just say have come to me, said, hey, I, I just bought this house at the auction. I got a really good deal on it. And they tell me what they paid for it. I go, that's retail. Is it ready to sell? Well, no, I got about $50,000 in upgrades to do. I said, if you do any of them, you're going to lose money. But see, they watched a TV show. They all of a sudden thought they were an expert. They didn't have any talent. But somebody with talent got richer. For, verse 29, for everyone who has, more will be given them. The more talent you have, the more talent you'll get. He who has abundance, and he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. See, and that's unbelief. Because if you're operating in fear, if you, if, if you're, you don't have the ability, you haven't developed your skills, you're not using what God has given you, you're not doing something with it, it's not growing. In John 15, 1 and 2 from the Amplified, Jesus said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Any branch in me that does not bear fruit that stops bearing, He cuts it away, trims it off, takes it away. He cleanses and repeatedly prunes each branch that continues to bear fruit so that it bears more and richer and more excellent fruit. See, that's how the kingdom operates. That's how we are designed to operate. Now back here in Matthew, in verse 25, verse 30, it says, Jesus said, And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, and there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. See, what God says is it's a waste for you to waste your talent. It's a waste for you to not do what God's instructed you to do. It's a waste. God wants you prosperous. God wants you wealthy. I mean, take the example of Abraham. Genesis 26, 13, and 14. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says, He became a very rich man. Now, has anybody got any other theological interpretation of that? He became a very rich man. And his wealth continued to grow. 
he acquired so many flocks of sheep and goats, herds of cattle and servants, that the Philistines became jealous of him. I mean, think about it. Abraham was so blessed that countries became jealous of him. And you know what's going to bring the Jews to their knees? Is when the church gets this right. And they have something to be jealous of the church about. They've got all the money right now. They're running the diamond stores, the import, the export, the wealth, the financial industries. But God has chosen you to have his talents to invest. In Genesis 1.28, God, it says here that God blessed them, speaking of mankind, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. See, God's in the multiplication business. That's why we spend so much time during service talking about giving, whether it's Pastor Thor, or Eugene, or Frank, or Peter, or any of the other people. Dr. Pat, on Thursdays, has been taking, doing the offerings. And, 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 but we're coming and teaching and educating on how God's financial system works. There's a reason why we take the time to do this. Because God is in the multiplication business. He wants to take the talent that you have. He wants to take the wealth that you have according to your ability and multiply it into your life so that you have not only more talent, but you have more ability. He wants to stretch you. He wants to stretch your faith. He wants you to grow in faith. Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth. And subdue it. That means own it. Take ownership of it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. God has a plan for his people. It was in his initial design. God's desire, plan, and design is that you have an abundance for every good work. That's 2 Corinthians 9.8. His design is that you have an abundance for every good work. Never should there be a time that, that we take up a mission offering and you go, oh, my government check didn't come today and I don't have enough money. Never should you be in a position where a minister comes here and we can't give a love gift into their life. Never should we be in a position when you find out that somebody's hurting or in need in the body of Christ that you can't help or do something. Never should we be in that place. And it doesn't matter to me where you were yesterday. It's your today and tomorrow that matters. Because we can put the former things behind us. Paul said, consider not the former things. And we can start looking forward to Christ and get our eyes on His financial system. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So what's the conclusion? Romans 13, 8 says we should be debt-free completely. We should be debt-free. We shouldn't be living in, in, in negative equity situations so broke that we can't pay attention. We need to be in a better spot. Our homes need to be debt-free. Our bank accounts need to be full. Our cars need to be debt-free. 
Brother Bob Harrison says something quite often. He says, if you're struggling to make it during good times, what are you going to do when the season changes? See, we need to be in a position... I know a lot of people go, man, things are really good. Things are flowing. I'm going to go out and finance this. I can buy this. My credit's great for this now. It's all good until it isn't. We need to be prepared. God's system is a debt-free system and lifestyle. See, bringing your tithe, your 10%, and bringing another 10 or 20% in offerings is easy to do when you don't have any other expenses. But see, under America, you know, we're leveraged right up to the hilt. Two persons in each family working, and still we can barely get by. It's not because we don't make enough money, it's because we have too much debt. It's our destiny to have an, abundance, an abundant inheritance to leave for our next generation. If you don't have a next generation, you should be leaving it for the gospel of Christ. It should be an abundance of an inheritance that will live on beyond you. We should be able to bring our tithes without conflict, able to give offerings abundantly, able to give special offerings, able to help the poor, able to afford the best educations for our family, and able to eat healthy and live healthy lives. See, that's how talent works. Talent gives us the ability to do those things. And God gives us talent according to our ability. So let's grow our ability in Him. I mean, that's how we become doers. Not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. Oh, that was a good talk by the pastor. Yeah, maybe someday we should do something about it. I'm not waiting for someday. I'm waiting for the now. I'm looking for the opportunity when I can share Christ with somebody now. I'm looking for the opportunity when I can sow into something now. I'm looking for the opportunity now because I want to be a doer. I got so excited when they started making fun of Creflo Dollar and his new airplane. Why? Oh, there's somebody I can sow into. I got so excited when they started making fun of Jesse Duplantis and his new airplane. Oh, there's something else I can sow into. I remember they were making fun of Brother Copeland because he's already got one airplane and he was believing God for another CX-10. He said, how can I be a CX partner? I want to sow into that. I want to be part of that. See, I want to be a doer. When I get to heaven and I give account, I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you ability. I gave you talent. And you used the talent for me. Amen? You have been listening to a recording from the teaching ministry of Valor Christian Center with senior pastors Scott and Tina Whitwab. If you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I invite you to pray this simple prayer with me now. Jesus, according to Romans 10.9, your word says, If I confess you as Lord and Savior and believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead, that you would come into my heart and I would be saved. I now confess and believe that you are my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, please contact our office so that we may rejoice together with you. Call Valor Christian Center at 480-545-4321. That's 480-545-4321.
888-888-4321 or by email at info at valorcc.com. That's info at valorcc.com or by mail to the church address at 3015 East Warner Road, Gilbert, Arizona, 85296.